Talk. Identity. And access. Management. Welcome to the Identity of the Center podcast. I'm Jeff, and that's Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Good. How does my audio sound? It sounds like uh, you've got a new microphone. Well, I debuted the new microphone last week. This yep. week, I am debuting some software, crisp.ai. I don't mind plugging it because anytime you find something that's really cool, that really you know, improves your day-to-day and it's simple, I think you should plug it and let everybody know about it. So crisp.ai basically uh, filters out your background noise, not a commercial. I, I think it's, you know, it's freeware or it's free to start with anyway. Not free, but <laughs> you get two hours a week, I think is what they're, what they start off with. But yeah, we don't, we don't currently have sponsors or commercials or anything like that. But yeah, like you said, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool little program. Just runs a little app on Windows or Mac and uh, uh, seems to be a, do a pretty good job of reducing background noise and things like that. Cause you never want to be that person right on the, on the zoom call or teams or whatever it may be where you can kind of hear everything running in the background. So I thought it was pretty cool. So I'm glad you're getting some uses out of it. I've been that guy on our, on our podcast for a long time where, you know, we've, we've set up rules around me, which is keep your AirPod case far away. So you can't click it and, you know, don't squeak in your chair. And so now I've got a good microphone. I've got the noise reduction software. I think I'm, I'm ready to go. There's so many layers of noise reduction, not even sure if we, we're not even sure sometimes if like our voices will come out. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So for today's topic, we're going to talk about FIDO. And for those who aren't familiar, that's Fast Identity Online. And there's no better person to talk about that than Andrew Shikiar, who is the Executive Director and Chief Marketing Officer of the FIDO Alliance. And we've got him today. We're very fortunate with, for that. And thank you for joining. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Great. So um, I know that um, FIDO has really started to really kind of get a foothold uh, out there. But before we get to that, one of the things that we like to start to talk about is when we have a guest on is their background in in identity and access management. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into IAM? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I'm not a practitioner per se, but I've, you know, always done a variety of um, kind of marketing and, and, uh, Kind of strategic um, development type roles in emerging technology. Um, and so I got into identity, I think before identity was cool. Um, back in 2001, um, I went back to Sun Microsystems where I previously worked uh, to help them launch something called Liberty Alliance. Um, and I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with Liberty. Uh, this was the kind of the first standards effort to um, standardize what became to be known as federated identity. Um, so a lot of the, the, the Liberty specs turned into uh, SAML2 specs and um, it was a really interesting time to be in identity because, you know, frankly, um, and it wasn't in the mainstream whatsoever. Um, a lot of my job at that point um, was to help you know, recruit the initial companies in Liberty Alliance. Um, and so I'd fly, you know, around the world and talk to, you know, CXOs and, you know, my first, you know, part of the conversation would be, you know, what is identity? What does identity mean to your business? What does identity mean to your employees, to your customers? And it was always kind of, you know, thought-provoking discussion with people who hadn't thought about identity, you know, beyond maybe brand identity. Um, so, you know, really fun time to be, uh, get into that space. Um, I subsequently um, then worked on Sun's 
identity management um, you know, product set and did a lot of go-to-market work there as well. So, um, you know, that was how I first got into identity. I was out of the space for a while, then I got back into it um, when I joined uh, Fido Alliance around five years ago. And one thing that was kind of fun was to see that, A, you know, the same concepts we were talking about then are, are relevant today. Um, you know, B, some of those standards are actually now being used. And see, you know, a lot of the people who I've worked with back then are still in the space. And in fact, a lot of them are inside of uh, Fido Alliance. So it's been nice to kind of reunite and, and you know, get deeper in the identity um, marketplace. That's great, Andrew. Um, one of the things I think uh, kind of the starting point we ought to start with, which is, you know, what is Fido and why was it founded? Yeah, so... Fido Alliance was founded to address the data breach plague. Um, you know, data breaches continue to grow and scale and in number. Um, attackers are growing in sophistication and tools. Um, and, and the vast majority of data breaches are caused by passwords, right? So either passwords being compromised, uh, stolen passwords being stuffed, social engineering taking passwords out of someone's hands. Uh, passwords cause, you know, over 80% of data breaches on an annual basis. And so, you know, passwords are very much the tip of the, of the spear um, to address the um, data breach problem, which is why Fido has focused on that, right? So um, our mission is simply to reduce industry reliance on passwords um, in favor of Fido authentication. Fundamentally, what Fido is doing is trying to shift the market and shift industry away from being dependent on not just passwords, but really all server-side shared secrets um, and server-side authentication in favor of an approach that leverages public key cryptography and takes advantage of devices that are in users' hands every day. All right, so our tagline is simpler, stronger authentication. Um, so it's stronger authentication using public key cryptography, but also simpler because any FIDO authentication um, activity is, is done with a single, single gesture. So whether that's touching my finger to a phone, touching a security key, inserting a security key using Face ID or you know, Windows to load. This is all just you know, one gesture for me to authenticate myself. And I think that's really important um, because as we've all seen, if a second, you know, if, if security is too hard, people won't use it. You know, the opt-in rates go down, especially you know, with consumers. Opt-in rates for second factor authentication go down the more complex it is. So, you know, we think that you know decreasing friction while increasing security um, is the approach we need to take to get people to actually adopt stronger authentication. Now, one other note I want to make um, is I said all, all shared secrets on the server, right? So um, while any form of MFA or 2FA, any second factor um, for for authentication, is better than passwords alone and will you know protect people against scalable attacks. Um, Frankly, anything on a server can and will be stolen. So that includes OTPs. Um, OTPs are still a shared secret. They're still on a server, albeit for a much shorter period of time, but they can be manipulated you know, through a man-in-the-middle attack, replay attack, and things like that. Um, you know, that's how you know, a lot of you know, spear phishing uh, attacks are successful. People think they're protected, but they're really not. So um, you know, hackers are good at their jobs, um, which is why you know, over 40% of phishing attempts are successful. So we need to you know, put tools in the hands of users that help you know, protect them you know, from the bad guys, but also from themselves, because it's you know, very easy to get fished. Frankly, there's no shame in it because you're, you're dealing with professionals. Um, so we need to um, 
you know, implement FIDO authentication to help people you know, prevent um, help prevent people from getting their accounts taken over and other other nefarious things happening. What I'd like to add to that, I, I think you hit on a really good point about phishing attacks is, you know, we, we run into the phishing attack where you think, gosh, person must be stupid to fall for this. But I've seen some, you know, especially videos and, and you know, conference presentations from like Black Hat where these phishing attacks, some of them are extremely sophisticated. You know, they'll, they'll pose as a site like Google, have you log in and provide a, a one-time password. Really, they're taking that then and in the background, authenticating you and then, you know, changing your password while you're in the site. And it's like, well, I, I can see how people can, can get duped into those. Now, those are the more sophisticated ones. It's not your everyday phishing attack, but, you know, when, when the risk is high, it's certainly there. Yeah, and, I mean, I just wanna come back to the data point. Now, this is a Google statistic. 40% of well-designed phishing attacks are successful, right? So yeah, like you said, we're not talking about Nigerian prints, you know, you know <laughs> sloppy emails, but these are, you know, well-designed phishing attacks have a 40% success rate, not a click rate, success rate, uh, which is a staggering number, which, you know, and it shows that phishing pays. Um, and it really starts to, to you know, outline the, the depth of this problem. Yeah, 40% is an astronomical number, considering that usually that kind of attack is, is talking about single digit success, yeah. right? So if yeah. you can, I mean, that is just crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, people, you know, fall for it. And, and sometimes it's, you know, obviously user uh, uh, education plays a big part into it, but, you know, even the best can get fooled. And, you know, we saw what recently happened with uh, Twitter, right? Where they got socially engineered and someone got in and, you know, did some things. Now, thankfully they only cared about Bitcoin, but they could have done a world of damage, like literally. <laughs> Uh, just based off of that that social engineering attack and then getting access to the inside tool. So I think it's important to understand that even though, uh, you know, you have education, you need to back end it with good, strong methods to enforce and reinforce the security message you're putting out there, which is why MFA is, is so important. So I'm glad you're, I mean, not to get off track on the, <laughs> on the, uh, the, the direction you want to take this, but I'm, I'm glad you raised Twitter because um, I, I think, you know, what needs to be clear is that that attack could not have happened if those administrators were using FIDO security keys. Full stop, right? The social engineering attack could not have been successful if those network admins were, you know, who are obviously, you know, smart, talented users, um, if they were using FIDO security keys, that, that would not have been successful. It's probably one of the bigger things you could do in an organization. And it still shocks me when, when Jim and I are working with folks out there that, MFA is not kind of standardized. I think what's becoming more prevalent is that MFA is put in place for what they consider privilege access mm -hmm. typically, but they're still not protecting normal users, right? From that kind of thing. So I think at this point, uh, you know, even Gartner, I think mentioned it, I don't know if it was last year, year before that MFA is baseline at this point. Password is not good enough. And the easier you can make MFA, the, the better experience it is. Uh, you know, the easier experience is going to be for the user, which means that your security increases and it makes it a lot, a uh, lot better for everybody. So that's why I think that FIDO is, is great because I can see the usability benefits of it. And, you know, some of the challenges that it typically solves around some of the, you know, more legacy approaches to MFA, right? Things like 
tokens and you know SMS, which are easy to intercept, relatively speaking, you know, from security standpoint, you know, email one-time passwords, like all you all the stuff, stuff that you said around it being stored somewhere on a server, right? That kind of thing, but also just the usability aspect of it is huge. Jeff, I'd also add to that, you know, that is the other angle. So when you think about, you know, the statement passwords are dead or passwords should be dead, passwords are dinosaurs. It's not just the security aspect, it's also the usability aspect. And for me, that's a big um, reason why FIDO is so important. Andrew, I'm wondering if you could kind of talk about the usability uh, angle and why that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, FIDO's tagline is you know, simpler, stronger authentication, and I think they're part and parcel. Um, you know, if it's not easy, people won't use it, and it needs to be easy for, for mass adoption. So, you know, FIDO's focused on a you know, single gesture, strong user authentication. Um, so, you know, let's take a different lean on this and look at traditional means of NFA, right? So, multi factor authentication is two FAs, it's not new. Um, but it's had some challenges, right? And, and they have both security and usability challenges, right? So the traditional means, you know, what going way back is having like a, a token, a dedicated token with a, a TOTP on it, um, a, but a dedicated piece of hardware for each service that you have. Right, so let's talk about that usability for a second. One is you have to, you know, if you're, if you're in, doing a lot of sensitive work, you're gonna have multiple tokens. So you have the, the token keychain problem. Two, you need to literally juggle, you know, devices. To, to enter in the code to you know to verify yourself with it with you know to to, to the system. Um, now compare that to FIDO, where, where everything the tokens that you have, say you're using an external security key, what we call a roaming authenticator, you know, that can support multiple services. And again, all you need to do is touch it or insert it. Because all you're doing is proving possession of the device. Um, so there's a, a good example right there of how you know FIDO provides a superior user experience over the traditional um, token-based means of multi-factor authentication. Additionally, um, FIDO obviously supports biometrics, you know, which brings the same benefits of um, you know, security and privacy of FIDO's you know, public key cryptography underlying architecture. Um, but you can use a biometric to prove possession and to verify yourself also. Um, and that's even easier, right? Where you're just literally, again, you know, touching a device or, or looking at a camera, right? So. Any of your users, any of your listeners who use Windows Hello are seeing this every day, right? I log into my PC looking at my camera. I mean, it doesn't get much easier than that or by touching my, touching the fingerprint scanner or using a local pin. Now, the key thing is that all this is local on the device and all very user-friendly, single action to, um, you know, things that are traditionally associated with unlocking devices are now being used, you know, with FIDO to log me in. Right, so that's kind of the, the small mental leap we, we need people to take is that unlock means login. And the same easy mechanism we have for that is actually doing a highly secure authentication process uh, through the same exact action. I'm a big fan of Windows Hello. I have been for years. <laughs> and you know, I think Jim, Jim has mentioned this before, but I'm kind of a tech geek, tech nerd. So I'm kind of on the cutting edge of the technology usually. And, you know, I saw Windows Hello several years back when it was first rolling out, and I couldn't wait for that hardware to become more prevalent in the enterprise, because typically enterprise hardware cycles are somewhere in the two to four year range, you know, if not longer. And, you know, it's going to be a couple years before 
the fingerprint reader, the, you know, the IR camera is standard hardware, right, on most enterprise devices. So I'm excited to see that becoming more of an option in the enterprise. And I'm really excited to hear that Apple joined the FIDO Alliance relatively recently. I think it was maybe a couple months ago at this point. And I'm hopeful that things like Touch ID and the rumored Face ID on the MacBooks, for example, uh, that might be coming out in the future, might be taking advantage of that. And I know that you've got a lot of big heavy hitters in the industry. Maybe you can talk a little bit about folks like Microsoft and Apple and, and other organizations, Google, um, that, that might be part of the alliance and, and what that brings to the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so Apple did join FIDO's board of directors in, in January of this year, and it's been really great. And I think um, you know, one thing that makes FIDO unique, and I, I've done a number of standards. I mentioned Liberty Alliance. I've, I've done other kind of multi-stakeholder organizations in my career. What makes FIDO unique is that there isn't really an alternative standards effort, right? There's no Betamax or VHS, not to date myself, but um, you know, if, if you're interested in standards-based authentication, it's, it's really FIDO. And Apple joining at the beginning of the year um, really unified you know, the, the industry um, around FIDO authentication. So I think it's really important. Uh, but amongst our members, um, you know, we have 250 something members um, in the Alliance, including a board of around 40 companies. And I think what's really cool about our board of directors is that it has you know, the right composition of company, the right composition of companies to address this password problem. Um, you know, so first we have um, kind of, I'll, I'll loosely uh, describe these companies as uh, device manufacturers. So people who are creating uh, the devices and uh, platforms that we use every day. Uh, so companies on the chipset side like ARM and Intel and, and Finney and groups like that, but the platforms, right? So Microsoft, Google, Apple, um, device manufacturers like Samsung, Lenovo, right? All these companies are involved with um, FIDO, making sure these platforms and devices uh, support FIDO authentication. Secondly, we have experts in security and biometrics. Um, so both, you know, stalwarts, longtime stalwarts like, like RSA and, and groups like that and OneSpan, but also, you know, emerging companies who are really driving a lot of innovation in the authentication space, um, like Ubico and Hyper and Knock Knock and groups like that, which are really gaining a lot of traction. Um, and then last but not least, we have the service providers. Right. These are the companies whose businesses are dependent upon their ability to deliver high shared services to billions of users worldwide on a daily basis. Right. So they, they are dependent on FIDO being successful or else they have to go in a, a non-standards direction. And so these are the, you know, the big social networking companies um, like, uh, like Facebook and groups like that, the, the, the commerce companies like Amazon, payments networks, MasterCard, Visa, American Express, uh, big banks, now, these are the companies that are helping you know, steer FIDO Alliance. So I think when you look at that kind of breadth of membership that we have at the top, which is also reflected throughout the rest of our membership, um, you know, I think it gives us a really good starting point to help us be successful in um, doing the three things that FIDO Alliance does, which is A, you know, build technical specifications you know, based on market requirements. Um, B, we run a certification program and build a you know, really diverse ecosystem of products that are FIDO certified, which companies can use to deploy FIDO authentication. And then last but not least, you know, develop best practices and help people be successful in understanding and driving adoption of FIDO authentication. Um, so yeah, the question started with Apple, um, but I think it's really important to look at the, the full range of members that we have 
um, you know, driving FIDO forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a great overview. You know, one thing that I didn't really understand until I started doing more research is what is the difference between FIDO and FIDO2? Yeah, well, so um, let's back up and talk about FIDO's specifications and FIDO architecture at a high level, but specifications. Um, so as I mentioned previously, FIDO authentication leverages public key cryptography, it's, you know, user-friendly public key cryptography. I've heard it been called, be called PKI Evolved. Um, but the key thing that we're doing is introducing the concept of an authenticator. Um, an authenticator is, you know, both a, a thing and a concept. Um, it's basically, um, you know, where the private key is stored. Um, and so instead of having, um, you know, being dependent on, on passwords on a server, instead, you, you know, using public key cryptography, you have a unique key pair for each FIDO account. The private key stays the authenticator, uh, secure on the user's device, and the public key sits on the server instead of a password. Um, as we all know, public keys have no material value. They can't be reused. So, you know, when, if and when a, you know, a, a breach happens, um, you know, one thing that's not stolen is password, right? which, which starts to break the, the credential theft cycle, which is plaguing so many companies. Um, but um, FIDO specifications, so the first set of FIDO specifications that came out, um, there were two. Uh, one is focused on a biometric use case, which was called FIDO UAF, FIDO Universal Authentication Framework. And the second one was based on a second factor use case, um, U2F, uh, which is popularized by YubiKey and, and all the other companies now making FIDO security keys. Both of those um, have the same approach to um, underlying with, again, the FIDO public key cryptography uh, underlying architecture um, is supported in both two. The difference is with UAF is basically password replacement with a biometric, and U2F, it was using, uh, activating the private key by verifying possession of the device, uh, again, by inserting or touching and interacting with the security key. Whereas backing up a second with UAF, you use a biometric to verify yourself so that the private key could be activated. Um, those were the, you know, the first sets of final specifications. Um, we saw a strong take up with both UAF and U2F. Um, you know, U2F had, had strong pickups say, inside of Google and is, is attached to Google services. It still supports Google services. Um, UAF um, was underpinning a lot of native apps, right? So to the average user, UAF looks no different than if you have UA, a UAF app on your iPhone, it looked no different than your usual Touch ID experience, but is using all the benefits of FIDO authentication rather than just doing a kind of a password cut and paste, which is what the native uh, biometric would do typically with, with Touch ID. Um, so even though we had good uptake with both, both two of those, what FIDO realized was that to, to gain scale um, and to, to truly you know, be in position, position to address the password problem, we needed to target the platforms, starting with the web. All right, so FIDO was working on something called the you know, FIDO 2.0 web APIs. Um, inside the alliance, we made a you know, strategic decision to contribute these um, to the uh, W3C, and that became the Web Authentication Working Group, the Web Authent Working Group inside of W3C, um, started in, you know, the beginning of 2016, and, and that's how, you know, FIDO decided to target the web, right? So in, co in cooperation with W3C and the Web Authent Working Group, we had a lot of stakeholders in both FIDO and, and W3C working on that. You know, that's part of the FIDO 2 specification. 
The other part of the 502 specification uh, was an extension of U2F um, called CTAP, Client to Authenticator Protocol, which extended the U2F use case um, to do a couple of things. One, um, it allows for passwordless authentication by enabling resident credentials in a security key. Uh, but secondly, it also extends the use case to allow devices to be the authenticator. So now your handset could be a security key in addition to a security key. So that starts to broaden the addressable base of users who can uh, leverage FIDO authentication on the client side. Those two things together, WebAuthn and CTAP, comprise FIDO2. Uh, so you've seen a lot of talk about FIDO2 because that's where a lot of enterprises are, are um, starting to really um, move towards because FIDO2 is supported in the Windows environment and in a lot of kind of enterprise infrastructure. Um, so that's one reason why you know, there's a lot more adoption now, I think, in the enterprise with FIDO2 than you may have seen with just U2F. But frankly, it's, it's that kind of platform support and the web support that's really um, ushering in a, a, a huge wave of adoption for FIDO authentication. So specifically, you know, FIDO2 is supported in a couple of important platforms. One is the web, right? So the benefit, one of the benefits of working in W3C is that as soon as WebAuthn was done as part of the FIDO2 spec, you know, we had support out of the box from leading web browsers from Microsoft, Mozilla, and Google. And later on, Apple you know, has been supporting um, WebAuthn in, in, in Safari. So that's a, that's a platform in of itself. Separately, as we talked about earlier, you know, Windows Hello is a FIDO certified authenticator, basically. So Windows 10 is a, it supports FIDO2 in, inherently. So any built-in biometric on a, a Windows 10 machine can be used in lieu of a password for, for login on sites that support WebAuthn or FIDO authentication. So, what, so Windows 10 is a, is a FIDO certified environment. Additionally, um, Android is a FIDO certified environment. So any Android 7 or later handset can support FIDO authentication and likewise you know, use the, the local biometric um, instead of a password, both for you know, native apps and for, um, for web-based authentication. All right, so a good example of this for those of you who have an Android device, um, you know, visit ebay.com and go to log in you know, with your Android device and it'll, it'll prompt you uh, to use your biometric instead of you know, using the password. Um, and then most recently, you know, Apple announced support for Fido and, and their update to iOS and macOS uh, that will allow um, web, you know, Safari to also explicitly support uh, Fido authentication with native biometrics on iPhones and, and, and MacBooks. Um, so that really starts to extend the addressable user base. So all told, you know, over the past year and a half, as we've seen this platformization of Fido through Fido2, um, you know, there's billions of added devices that can now consume Fido authentication. So I think that, you know, that expansion of the addressable market um, by default is one reason why we're seeing so many companies now um, ramp up their plans to support FIDO. So yes, you know, that is, going back to your question, that is FIDO2 um, on those platforms, but ultimately to us, you know, is I see it all as FIDO authentication because it all has the same exact benefits as the initial set of specifications uh, brought to the table. Um, and, you know, but it's, it's, in general, it's good to see this broad movement uh, to support FIDO. What are some of the FIDO or FIDO2 enterprise use cases that people should be thinking about if they're sitting in a CISO chair or maybe as a member of an IEM 
program or IAM architect, because I know a lot of the, the focus is typically paid on the end user experience. What if I'm trying to implement something like this as you know just a, a normal corporate environment? What are some of the things that you could offer to those types of folks? Well, I think um, let's talk about a couple of things. So one, you know, you need to think about your use case and, and your infrastructure. Right? So you know, no environments, every environment's a little bit different. Um, you know, we talked about Microsoft support for Fido, right? So if you're a Microsoft shop, um, you know, moving towards Fido is, is you know, somewhat straightforward, right? So Azure AD, for example, has um, you know, Fido support for, um, for users. Um, and, and of course, the desktops all support Fido as well. Um, but also, you know, another thing I think that a lot of CISOs are, are dealing with and, and security folks are, are worried about are, you know, the, the new, you know, entirely remote workforce. You know, how are these people accessing system resources? Um, we were talking about phishing before, you know, fishers and, uh, are, are targeting you new know, remote workers. Um, and so you need to make sure that they're, they're accessing systems as, as, as securely and as easily as possible. So, you know, we encourage um, systems to think about deploying security keys out, out to their remote workforce and, and get them you know, moving in that direction as soon as possible or, or using, you know, other kind of, you know, device biometrics, um, either on-device you know, on or, or um, using a phone as, as a login uh, to protect their, their workforce as well. So I think those are you know, key things to think about is, you know, what's your use case? Um, you know, what's your infrastructure look like? And, and there certainly are products that can be brought to bear to you know, protect you know, the workers and system resources alike. Um, something, else, something else that FIDO Alliance is doing as a body you know, I mentioned before, you know, we do three things. One of those being establishing best practices for implementations of FIDO authentication. We have a working group focused only, you know, ex exclusively on enterprise deployment use cases. Um, so we just actually released a white paper um, on CXO considerations for moving to a passwordless enterprise. It's actually going to be the first in a series of papers that get into more granular depth on exactly how to implement FIDO inside the enterprise. So um, I'd encourage you know, people to check it out. We'll include some links um, as part of this podcast, but to you know, check out that series to get more details on you know, these best practice recommendations, which are being developed by you know, actual enterprise practitioners inside of FIDO Alliance. So Andrew, we talked a lot about the security benefits, the usability benefits. There's obvious benefits to the organization. Um, Thinking of it from the standpoint of the, the the money people, you know, moving the how does the how does doing FIDO move the needle? I mean, I can think from a, a cost perspective, you know, there's the avoidance of data breaches, but you know, can you kind of address that? Where within an organization, who cares? How do I get something like this approved? And how do I show that I can get an ROI and move the needle for the organization? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, and it's interesting because I think opinions on this have shifted a little bit, or at least um, grown, <laughs> got, got broader. Uh, so initially, you know, all the focus is on cost avoidance, um, as, as you mentioned, like avoiding a data breach. Like the cost of a data breach, first of all, that's, that should be enough. You know, avoiding a data breach from a cost standpoint and a reputation standpoint, you know, should be a large enough imperative to, to move away from passwords and towards something like FIDO. Um, but there's other costs associated with um, you know, in the enterprise associated with uh, not using FIDO or having complex authentication, right? So password resets, 
Um, you know, you see estimates for that ranging from, you know, $100 to $1,000 per reset. And once you factor in the cost of, you know, downtime and, and, and you know, systems and things like that. So password resets are expensive. You know, lost productivity time. Um, if someone can't get into a system or can't access a system because it's too complex or they forgot a password or whatever it might be, you know, you're, you're losing, you know, that's money being spent on an employee not actually working. Um, you know, other costs are, um, if, you're, if you're depending on tokens, right? So the actual the hardware costs associated with, you know, deploying so many tokens, you know, the, the more advanced tokens are, are very expensive. So I think, you know, inside the enterprise, you know, FIDO, A, prevents data breaches, um, B, you know, gets rid of password resets, and, and C, makes it easier to log in. Um, Google did a case study uh, a couple of years ago, you know, which is, we, we cite often, um, because is you know, tens of thousands of employees over a multi-year study using U2F security keys, um, what they found, first of all, we, we generally talk about the fact that this study found that not one of them got fished, right? Which is super important and goes to, you know, the core security message and, and the, the bottom line benefits associated with that. But the other part of that study points to the fact that um, call center, uh, support desk calls went way down and productivity went way up. And they also got some sentimental feedback from people that um, they liked that login experience better. So, you know, what you're talking about there is, you know, those are three costs that are reduced plus happy employees um, is, is beneficial to the company as well. So I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at how FIDO you know, creates cost savings. And, and those are just some of them. Additionally, there's top line benefits. Um, so for you know, companies that are selling to consumers, um, you know, around half, of shopping cart abandonments are due to password issues. Um, people can't log in, they can't do that impulse buy, they decide not to buy, um, and that's a huge opportunity cost. Additionally, we think that there's um, you know, brand benefit associated with the better login experience. So we've recently actually introduced a consumer logo that we anticipate service providers using um, or power by FIDO button that we anticipate uh, service providers using to you know, express to their consumers that they are you know, providing a, you know, a industry blessed, safer, you know, superior, simpler login experience. And we think there should be a halo effect associated with that. But even without the FIDO logo, um, you know, a, a better login experience is good for, good for one's brain. In fact, so what I was saying before about how I think that opinions have evolved on this, is that whereas initially most of the focus was on cost avoidance, we're seeing a lot of companies now focus on the usability aspects of this. You know, this is better for my customers. It's making me have happier customers, stickier customers, and things like that. So um, a lot more focus now you know, from decision makers on the top line benefits in addition to the you know, bottom line uh, cost avoidance. Yeah, I, I really like that idea. So you have my stamp of approval on the powered by FIDO logo or badge is kind of like the Intel inside. Uh, but I wanted to go back to another point that you made, um, or maybe it was you agreeing with my point uh, around the data breaches, because I think when, you know, Jeff and I were talking about data breaches, you know, five years ago, it felt more to executives like we were spreading fear, uncertainty and doubt. And I just, I feel like we've come a long way since then. And anybody who thinks that is just, you know, not tuned in. Um, I mean, the cost of a data breach 
I think we saw a statistic recently that the cost of data breach, at least in the U.S., is like over $8 million. Globally, it's, it's over $3 million. Um, and that's made up of, you know, a lot of it is the companies have to run around and make good for the fact that they fumbled people's data, right? And that they now may be the uh, victims of identity fraud. So it, it's not fear and certainty in doubt. And, and those numbers I threw out there, those are averages, right? That includes a lot of the smaller breaches. And if you get hit by a really big breach, um, it can cost you much more in terms of dollars, as well as what I think you pointed out in terms of brand reputation, which is a little hard to quantify, but it's not fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And hopefully that message is, is getting out there. No, it's, it's quite real, you know, and, and, and this comes back to the question you asked earlier, you know, why, why FIDO? What's, why does FIDO exist? And, and this is what we're trying to solve. Right. So we're trying to solve data breach problems. So, you know, we're, we're often associated rightly with you know, re reducing reliance on passwords, but we're doing that to solve a data breach problem. Um, because that is the, you know, those are, they're expensive and problematic and it really, you know, just erodes the integrity of the network economy itself. And that's not good for anybody. Yeah, I think from a strategy standpoint, if you're in security, the, the two vectors that I would pay attention to, and there are so many vectors, right? But the first one is the password and being able to get rid of that and secure it in a better way, right? Using technologies like MFA, which combined with FIDO make it easier to use. And then being able to mitigate against ransomware attacks. You know, the news today is Canon got hit by a ransomware attack. So, um, you know, and that's that's a pretty big one, right? And they're not sure if images were stolen. So that adds another wrinkle to it. So having the appropriate uh, stance toward security, not only making it available, making it easy to use, I think is critically important to the adoption and improving security as a whole, because what you don't want to have is, you know, you spend a bunch of money on, on getting something in place. And if it's unusable, no one's going to use it. You know, what's the point, yeah. right? They're just going to find ways around it. So, uh, so I think I, I love what, what's happening with FIDO and I hope and pray that you know other organizations will start to kind of see the light and consider security as a end user experience as much as possible. And by that I mean taking into you know the fact that usability of it. So I think it's I think it's super important. You know, on those lines, you know, I think that the change in the you know with, with COVID and everything, um, you know, this remote workforce, your employees are now your consumers too. Right, so even in the enterprise, you need to think about how are these employees going to log into systems, you know, securely, and and um, you know, people will find workarounds for 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 security when they can, you know, for um, not everyone, but a lot of employees will. They just want to log in. They're just trying to do their job, you know. So you need to think about um, you know usable, secure methodologies for you know granting remote access to systems, and that's where another area, you know, where, where FIDO does excel. Yeah, and this is and that and that kind of stuff, right, leads to things like, you know, forwarding emails to a personal email address. Well, I can't get to my you know regular work account, or it's too hard, or whatever it is, right? There's all kinds of excuses, but it's you know it's they're solving a usability issue around that, right? If you make it easy for people to do their work and make it secure, you you start to eliminate some of those examples of reasons why people would try to look for ways around. The security, you know, postures that people have put in place to to make their organization more secure. Yep. So, like I said, I'm in favor of it, which is which is a great thing. And I know you mentioned that white paper. We definitely will have a link to that in our show notes. 
Um, I guess from a elevator pitch, right? Why should someone read that white paper? And what do you think that they'll take, a, take away out of it in 30 seconds or less? Well, it's really just getting people started on focusing on the, the enterprise benefits of you know, moving towards passwordless authentication uh, for users, right? So it's, it's squarely focused on that. Um, it's, it's an enterprise paper um, that, um, you know, from CISO on down in that organization can, can look at it, you know, it's, succinctly summarizes uh, key considerations and the hows and, and, and why, uh, why and how uh, to deploy FIDO. And as I mentioned, it's the beginning of a series um, that will get into more and more depth. In fact, we'll have a blog post on this shortly that kind of starts to outline the series in and of itself so people can see the key steps associated with deploying FIDO in the enterprise. You know, one thing, um, and this is a little inwardly focused, I suppose, but you know, one thing we realize, um, you know, our, our goal is to get people to move to FIDO, right? Um, you know, we're, we're unique in the sense that we're a nonprofit organization. We're you know, not pitching product. Uh, we're just trying to get people to use better authentication. Uh, but you know, we have a lot of good high-level information on our website, and we have some, you know, a lot of specs. You know, all the specs are open, and we have some very detailed white papers, but we're trying to find this sweet spot to make FIDO actionable for practitioners. So I think this series of papers will, will really be helpful. They'll all be around five pages each, um, very actionable and lots of information. So I think that's what this paper signals and is, is a good starting point to do. So I'd like to um, beat a dead horse here we, because I think everybody probably agrees that the passwords are, are not a good enough control, but just for, as a practitioner myself, I think to myself, if I'm relying on passwords, I can be pretty sure those passwords have already been hacked for a large number of users. I had to sign up for a little league website the other day and created an account with a password. And I thought, there's no way there's good enough technology on the back end of this little league website to um, secure my password. I'm not picking on little league. I'm picking on all the hundreds of websites that we use every couple of years to create accounts. And whether or not, you know, those of us in the IAM industry use a password locker, that's fine. The average Average Joe on the street doesn't. And that's why you can be pretty sure that if you're if you have a system that relies on, you know, email address and password, it's going to get compromised. Yeah, absolutely. I've said it before, password is not modern authentication. So <laughs> if that's all you're offering, you're way behind already. Um, Okay, so I think, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next series of the papers and we'll put a link to the FIDO Alliance website um, as part of the show notes here. Um, I like that the, the one you just put out, it is definitely an easy read. And I think it's a good way for people to start to think about how to position the cell within the organization of why we should start to move towards that direction. So if you're interested in getting started with FIDO or learning more about it, I think that's, I think you've, it's hit it right on the nail in the head with that, with that paper. So definitely check that out on the FIDO Alliance website and also in the show notes that we'll have here, which I'll have a direct link to it. Um, Andrew, certainly appreciate your time. And uh, I know you're a busy guy. Um, any last words of wisdom that you want to throw out there for the folks who are listening? I think we hit on all the key points and I hope people, you know, um, enjoy, enjoy listening to us today and, and take something away from this. Um, you know, look for that paper. One other thing that we're doing, um, we have a, an industry conference that we were, we were going to launch this year in person. We're going to do virtually, virtually instead called Authenticate. Um, 
so this was going to be a two-day conference focused on all the ins and outs of, of authentication, not just FIDO, authentication best practices. You know, we had you know, maybe a dozen case studies planned. Um, so kind of a case study track, a technical track, a standards track. Um, all that's being rolled up into a virtual event. Um, so you can find information on that on our website, but also on authenticatecon.com. Um, that is going to be taking place in the middle of November. I strongly encourage people to sign up to attend that if they want to learn more as well. And that's going to be free, um, free to attend. Um, you know, great content um, was submitted for this paper. Just, just a little anecdote on Authenticate. You know, we thought we were going to have a hard time pulling together the agenda. We had around you know, six times as many papers submitted as we had agenda slots, which to me was super exciting because, A, it helped us put together an awesome set of content. But also, it shows that this is really you know, gaining traction in the marketplace. We had submissions from all corners of the world talking about different implementations and applications of FIDO. So all that's being brought forward into this event. I strongly encourage people to, uh, to make sure to sign up and attend. That's great. Yeah, I'll definitely put a link to that. It's uh, it, for the website. It's authenticatecon.com. And I'll have a link to the show notes as well. And I think that's fantastic. That's going to be free. I think we saw a lot of good uptake with uh, Identiverse, for example, uh, which I believe wrapped up last week or maybe it's wrapping up this week. Um, it, it's weird because it's stretched out over several weeks, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be registering for that and looking forward to it. So uh, so great deal. Uh, Jim, anything else that you want to close out with before we uh, let Andrew go? No, I just wanted to say, Andrew, I really appreciate your time. And know as the CEO of, of FIDO that you are an extremely busy person and just appreciate you taking the time to uh, educate our listeners. Uh, thank you both for having me. I mean, you have many people you could be talking to and I appreciate it. And, and you know, our goal is to you know, get the word out and get people engaged. And um, you know, thank you for this opportunity. Great. Appreciate it, Andrew. And uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and close it out for this week. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at IDAC Podcast, and you can check us out on the web at identityatthecenter.com. Uh, we're in your favorite podcast app, so feel free to subscribe, follow, like, whatever the thing is that your podcast app does that helps us immensely and uh, helps us get great guests like Andrew uh, in the future. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close it out for this week, and uh, we'll be talking with y'all in the next one. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Identity at the Center podcast. For more episodes, visit identityatthecenter.com.